Amen. Good morning. Happy New Year to everyone here this morning and those who are watching live stream this morning. We're glad you're joining us on this first day of 2023. Just a couple of reminders before the message this morning. Don't forget that this coming Wednesday, January the 4th, we start back up our midweek service at 7 p.m. right here in the auditorium. We have stuff for children. We have our youth that meet on Wednesday night as well. So 7 p.m. right here in the auditorium, we will continue our series in the book of Exodus on Wednesday night. In fact, this Wednesday, we're going to be looking at Exodus 15. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Amen. Exodus 15. Then, this Friday, January the 6th at 9 a.m., we need some folks to show up and help us take down all these wonderful Christmas decorations because we don't want to leave them up till next year, okay? So guys and gals, if you could help us out, uh, if you have any questions, please see Marty Barnes about, uh, you know, that on Friday morning, but that's this Friday, January the 6th, 9 a.m., right here at the church to take down all of our Christmas decorations. And then next Sunday, don't forget, we go back to two services next Sunday, 9 and 11. I wonder if anybody showed up at 9. I wonder if anybody's going to show up at 11. We'll see. But anyway, next Sunday, back to two services, 9 and 11. Luke's Gospel, chapter 2, beginning at verse 22 this morning, as we continue our series in the Gospel of Luke, looking at the story of Jesus. And before we go back to chapter 10 next week and pick it up where we sort of left off, we came back to the early chapters throughout the holiday season, and we looked at the first couple chapters of Luke around the Christmas story. And before we go back to Luke chapter 10, there's one more scene in the life of Jesus that uh, I think is very appropriate for the sort of the start of a new year and for our first service of a new year because this passage is all about examples of distinguished devotion. Distinguished devotion. Devotion to God that is set apart, that is distinct, that is above and beyond the devotion that others are having for God. And I think God is saying to us here at the Oasis, I'm calling my people to a year of devotion. I want my people who are already devoted to me to stay devoted to me, to maintain that devotion. And those who are not as devoted, I'm calling you out this year. I'm asking you to raise your level of devotion and commitment to your Lord Jesus Christ. And we're going to see in this passage that there is devotion in relationship to three things that I think God is going to specifically be speaking to all of us about throughout this next year. Where is our devotion at in these three areas? And we're going to see this morning in this passage that there is devotion in relationship to the Word of God, in relationship to the Spirit of God, 
and in relationship to the house of God. So let's begin here this morning by looking at Luke chapter 2 and verse 22. And we first see the devotion of Joseph and Mary, the parents of Jesus. And it says, when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary brought Jesus up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. What a wonderful thing the parents of Jesus did. He was a gift from God in their eyes, and they were basically saying, but God, ultimately, he's yours. And they were presenting their child back to God. They were bringing him near to the Lord, and obviously they were doing this at the house of God as well. And we'll talk a little bit about that because, in a sense, all of these tie together. You cannot compartmentalize them. If we're going to be devoted to the Word of God, then we'll be devoted to the Spirit of God and we'll be devoted to the house of God. They all tie together. But what I want us to see today, first of all, is that everything that Joseph and Mary did surrounding bringing Jesus to the temple in Jerusalem to present him before the Lord was showing their devotion to the word of God. Notice in verse 22 that it was according to the law of Moses. Notice verse 23, after they present him to the Lord, what's the phrase? just as it is written in the law of the Lord. Look at verse 24. They offered sacrifice while they were there. And notice the next phrase. According to what is specified in the law of the Lord. Down in verse 27, when they meet a man named Simeon, we'll talk to, about him in just a moment, it says that the parents, Joseph and Mary, brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was customary according to the law. There's that phrase again. And then finally over in verse 39, so Joseph and Mary had performed everything fulfilled, accomplished every detail according to the law of the Lord. And only after that did they return to Galilee. Five times, folks, five times in this passage, we are reminded that everything Joseph and Mary, the parents of Jesus, did in bringing him to the temple and presenting him to the Lord and offering sacrifice and all of that, it was all done according to the word of God. They, as parents, were following what the Word of God said and how the Word of God was teaching them to raise their child, if you will, borrowing then a New Testament phrase, in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Now, let me start there. Let's talk to parents for a moment. Because I hear parents, many times even Christian parents, say, God has given me this child and yet he never really gave me a guidebook as to how to raise him. Wrong. He has given every parent the Word of God. And the Word of God is sufficient for every parent to be able to raise their child. The problem isn't that God hasn't given parents the information of how to raise their child. It is that as we continue to go through life and history and stuff, less and less even Christian parents 
no, are interested in what God has to say about how to raise their child. They're more interested in what others have to say about how to raise their child and what others think about raising children than they are how God tells us to raise our children. You see, God has given us all we need to know about raising our children in the Word. There's not going to be a parent that gets to heaven one day and says to God, God, I would have done a better job as a parent, but you never gave me the instructions of how to raise a child. God's not going to buy that one. I mean, Old and New Testament, books like Proverbs and books like Ephesians and others are chocked full of instructions about how we are to raise, discipline, instruct, and all of that, our children. The problem is we're not paying enough attention to that. And then let me broaden it out. This is a principle that applies to all of us in all of life. None of us are going to be able to get to heaven one day and say, God, you never gave me what I need in order to live a prosperous life. What about my word? My word is sufficient. It is a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. The Word of God needs to become a priority in our life, and it has to do with more than just knowing it. It has to also be about doing it. James says, we must be doers of the Word, like Joseph and Mary, and not hearers only. But obviously, we can't do what the Word of God says before we know it. We have to know it and then do it and put it into practice every day. And so you see here, in this scene out of Jesus' life, even as a baby, as a young child, that Joseph and Mary are displaying their distinguished devotion to God through their devotion in relationship to the Word of God. Even as a young couple, they knew what the Scriptures said about what they should do, and they were letting the Scriptures guide them every step of the way according to the Word of God over and over and over again. We need to be a people that dedicate ourselves to devoting ourselves to this book. And, and I don't know what that means for you. I, I don't want to necessarily be the Holy Spirit. I just, as the pastor of this church, want to encourage all of us to either maintain our devotion to the Word of God or to up our commitment and our devotion to the Word of God and then let the Spirit of God take that and then let you and God figure out what does that mean for you this year. Does that mean reading through the Bible? Does that mean studying it in a certain way or a different way or a particular part of the Bible or passage of the Bible or all of that? That's where, again, the Holy Spirit can come in and help you to figure it out. But we all must be devoted to the Word of God. We should be men and women of the book. 
people who know the Word of God so that then we can do the Word of God. What is our plan in 2023 to raise our understanding, our knowledge of the Word of God? And certainly, this is just one church, but we have many opportunities, if you're interested, in being able to up your understanding and knowledge of the Word of God here. Whether it's Wednesdays or Sundays, because if you come on Wednesday or Sunday, I can guarantee you this, you will hear this book. That's what you will get when you come here. You will hear the Bible taught. And if you want to expand that, our men's ministry, our women's ministry, our youth ministry, our children's ministry, Yes, even those children back there this morning, they're being taught the Word of God, you see. So, distinguished devotion. And in one area, we see it in our relationship to the Word of God. You know, one of the things that makes any author, someone who's written a book, feel good and be encouraged is when someone comes up and says, I read your book. I read your book. Obviously, being one that's written a couple, I, I understand that myself. How sad, how tragic would it be one day for a Christian to get to heaven and for them not to be able to say to God, I read your book. God wrote us a book. It's the most wonderful, special, significant book that's ever been placed into the hands of human beings. How sad for someone who says they're a follower of God and that they love God to get to heaven one day and say, I never read this. I never studied it. It was not a priority in my life. I never ordered my life to this book. It was something that just sort of sat on my shelf at home and collected dust. The Word of God. The Word of God. But the second thing that I want us to see in this passage is that distinguished devotion is also seen in relationship to the Spirit of God. We have, beginning in verse 25, an encounter that Joseph and Mary have with a man by the name of Simeon. And something I want to point out at this point, and I probably will mention it again before the end of the message, is that also, again, I want you to notice how these all tie together, how this encounter with Simeon and then one subsequently coming with a woman by the name of Anna would have never happened in Joseph and Mary's life had they not placed themselves at the house of God. They would have never experienced these really important meetings with two other people that God had if they would have never been devoted to the house of God. It was only because they were where they should have been that they were able then to have these encounters with Simeon and Anna. That's something good for us to remember too. It's a reminder to us that we will miss some of the people that God wants us to encounter, 
some of the encouragement that God wants us to encounter by not being devoted to the house of God first. We'll get back to that in just a moment. Notice verse 25. There was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon who was righteous. That word simply means here was a man who sought to align his life with God. That should be us as well. That we want to align our life with God. Then it says he was devout. It's a word that simply means here was a man who lived for what mattered most. We talked about that last week. The one who could see what is of greatest value and worth and be able to start to make decisions and choices for living the best life. And then it says this, he was looking or waiting expectantly for the restoration of Israel. That's just another phrase and another way of saying he was looking for the Messiah to come. The one that God had promised in the Old Testament scriptures, you see. But then notice what it says after that. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him, notice, by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So Simeon then, directed by the Spirit, came into the temple court at the exact moment that Joseph and Mary and Jesus were there. Okay? Do you see the emphasis here in relationship to Simeon about the Holy Spirit? Everything about this man was being directed, guided, led, instructed because the Holy Spirit was upon him, was revealing things to him, and was directing him. You and I are called by God to be devoted to him as we relate ourselves and our lives to his Holy Spirit who lives within each of us. You see, if you're here this morning or if you're watching from home this morning and you are a Christian, there was a time in your life where you asked Jesus to be your Savior, then the Bible tells us that at that moment, the Holy Spirit of God, the third person of the Trinity, equal to God the Son, equal to God the Father, came inside and now dwells within each of us. And that we are called by God to be devoted to God through this relationship, if you will, with the God who lives within us now. And we should be living consciously in that relationship with the Holy Spirit of God every single moment of every single day. That's why the New Testament tells us as New Testament Christians, walk in the Spirit. Amen. Take every step of your life in the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Let the Spirit be the one that is our primary influence the one like Simeon who's allowing him 
to direct them, to lead them, to guide them. So that, in other words, the things that we are doing every day are being spirit-led and spirit-directed. The things that we are not doing and that we're saying no to is because the spirit is not leading us there. That everything we do in life is going to be enveloped and, and, and understood in light of our relationship to the Holy Spirit. Paul says to the Galatians in Galatians 6, 8, if we sow to the flesh, we are of the flesh reap corruption. But if we sow to the Spirit, we will reap eternal life. And folks, eternal life isn't just living forever, a duration of life. As I've taught many times before, it is the quality of life that's being described. It's what Jesus talks about in John chapter 10, verse 10, when he says, I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. It's being able to live life at the highest quality or the highest level that a human being can live on this side of glory in heaven. And the only way to do that that is to sow to the Spirit every day. When Zechariah and Zerubbabel and many others had this daunting task of rebuilding the house of God in the Old Testament, God came to them in a very famous verse that we quote many times as Christians, and he says to them, don't be discouraged how this is all going to be accomplished because it's not going to be by your might. It's not going to be by human might or human power. It's going to be by my spirit, says the Lord. Zechariah 4, verse 6. In other words, God is saying, you will have everything you need because the Spirit of God, like Simeon, will be upon you. He will be empowering you. He will be enabling you. He will be guiding you and directing you and leading you and giving you all the wisdom and everything that you need in order to accomplish my will to rebuild my house. And God is saying the same thing to his people today. What did Jesus say? You want power? My power will come through you yielding to the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, again, is equal to Jesus and equal to God the Father. That means he's almighty too. That means he has all the power in the world, in the universe, contained within him as a member of the Godhead. And that's why Jesus told his followers in the book of Acts, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and then you will be my witnesses to the uttermost parts of the world, to Judea, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then all the way out. Receiving power through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit can empower us every day. The Holy Spirit can enable us every day. But you and I have to be devoted to that relationship, and we have to be in tune with the God who lives within us. And, and we have to show the God who lives within us that we're interested in letting him lead and guide us. And that we have to show him that we are humble enough that we don't know it all and that we are looking to him for the wisdom and guidance and direction that we need. Jesus even said to his followers, it is to your advantage that I go away and ascend back to my Father. Because when I go away, I'm going to send another comforter equal to me into your life. 
and he will guide you into all truth. He will teach you all things because ultimately he's our ultimate teacher, the Holy Spirit of God. He's the one who will guide us into all truth. And that's why Simeon even received the blessing that he did of being able to see in person the baby Jesus before he went to heaven. It was because he was yielded to the Holy Spirit. He was aligned to God through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was upon him because the Holy Spirit knew here was a man that's going to allow me to direct him, to reveal things to him, to guide him. And so you see this beautiful, you know, relationship that Simeon has with the Holy Spirit. We not only need to be devoted and show our distinguished devotion to God in our relationship to the Word of God, but also to the Spirit of God and allow the Spirit of God to fill us every day, which means we empty ourselves of self and we allow God to fill us with his Spirit. And we allow our lives to be an overflow of the Spirit's life lived through us. And again, note, the Holy Spirit is going to direct us to the Word of God and the Holy Spirit is going to then lead us to the house of God. Which leads us to the next person that we have as an example of distinguished devotion this morning. We've talked about Joseph and Mary and we've talked about Simeon. But now look at a, a woman by the name of Anna beginning in verse 36 of Luke chapter 2. An amazing woman. There was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old, having been married to her husband for only seven years until he passed away and then lived as a widow for 84 years. She was quite old, wasn't she? Even if she got married at a very young age, this woman was probably around at this point 100 years of age. But notice the next phrase in verse 37. Don't miss it. She never left the temple. Faithful to the house of God all those years. Worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. There was a focused attention, the fasting, because that's what fasting will do if it's done right. We will take our attention away from worldly and earthly things and we will put ourselves through fasting on spiritual and on heavenly things. And then it says prayer. It's a word used for intercession. She wasn't praying for herself as much as she was always bringing others before the Lord in prayer. Interceding for them on their behalf. And again, the Bible tells us she did this night and day. At that very moment, she came up to them and began to even give thanks to God, to celebrate God with praises and to speak about the child to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Here was a woman who lived faithfully. 
and who showed her devotion in many ways. But I, again, want to go back and direct your attention to that phrase about her devotion to the house of God. She never left the temple. And because of her devotion there, God also gave her the blessing of being able to see Jesus and to see and interact with Joseph and Mary. Had she not been at the temple that day, she would have missed some tremendous blessings and not been able to even bless Jesus and his parents just like Simeon did as well. It is showing us that when we miss, we miss some things that God has for us in that respect. Never left the temple. But then I want you to notice another example. Jesus himself. We sort of go forward in time. Jesus now is no longer a baby, a toddler, but he's also not started his earthly ministry yet as well either. He is a young man. And as such, the Bible tells us in verse 41 that Jesus and his parents, like they did every year, they would faithfully go up to Jerusalem to the temple, right? Now, you got to get the picture here. In those days, these families would leave their hometowns and go to Jerusalem and stuff, and they would go in these huge caravans. I talked a little bit about that even in relationship to the wise men on Christmas Eve. It wasn't just this, you know, little car filled with a couple people like we think today. No, it would have been an extended group of family members, and they would have all been packed in together, and they would have all been going together. So as they get there, they're leaving Jerusalem. And maybe like it happened to you in your life at some time or another as a parent, you assumed the child was with mom, and mom assumed the child was with dad, and it's a bigger group than just your immediate family, and they get on the road, and they're about a day out of Jerusalem, and Mary and Joseph finally maybe, you know, have some interaction. It's like, where's Jesus? Oh, I don't know. I thought he was with you. No, he's not with me. I thought he was with you. And they get just, you know, panicked. It's like, we've lost Jesus. <laughs> I can only imagine what was going through their minds at that point. God gave us his son, and we've lost him. Right? I mean, you do have some of this sort of humor in this story, right? But there's a really important several lessons of why God included this story in the Bible. They go back to Jerusalem, and, and especially Mary. She's by this time a little ticked at her son. And she basically goes up to Jesus when they finally find him. And where do they find him? In the house of God. And she's like, Jesus, don't you know how anxious and concerned and worried we were about you? How could you do this to your mom and dad? And notice verse 49, Jesus' reply. He replied, why were you looking for me? Didn't you know? That phrase means, even though I'm a young man, have you not in your everyday interaction with me as my mom and dad on an earthly level, haven't you become 
aware and begun to appreciate that I have a higher authority than you and and that I'm trying to help you understand as my earthly parents that there is a greater call to my life, a greater priority to my life than this. And I need to get you to see that, even as my parents, you see it. I know, it, it's weird, right? That, and we even, you know, we're even reminded of that in that song we sing at Christmas time, Mary, Did You Know? It's like, no, she, she had some stuff she still had to figure out. It's like she birthed Jesus as the Son of God, and yet he's the one that created her, and, and he's her Savior, and all of this. And that's what Jesus is trying to get his parents to to see and to figure out is, I've got a higher authority. I've got greater priorities. Now, what's great about Jesus is after this scene takes place, the Bible tells us in verse 51, he goes back with them and literally places himself under their authority. It's crazy, right? But at the same time, he's trying to get them to see I've I've got to break away from your understanding of what this is going to look like. You can't have the same understanding about me and my relationship to my Father in heaven and to you all as my earthly parents. You've got to come along and see the bigger picture here and not not see me as just your earthly son because I'm so much more than that. And then notice what else he says. Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? What is Jesus's priority being in the house of God? What is he devoted to? Well, he's devoted to the scriptures because the Bible says that while he was there, even before Joseph and Mary came back and found him there, that he was talking about the Word of God to the scribes and to the lawyers of the law and to the teachers of the law, and that people were astonished that he knew so much about the Word of God and that he had answers to them that they had never heard before. So again, it ties in that he wasn't just showing his devotion as, as Jesus in his humanity to the Word of God, but also, obviously, we know in the life and ministry of Jesus, he showed his devotion to the Spirit of God because many times it tells us that he was led by the Spirit to do certain things, directed by the Spirit to do certain things, showing us the example that we should be and have. And then here, he's telling everyone, including his own mom and dad, this is my priority. This is what I must do. By the way, keep that word must in mind for next Sunday. Because next Sunday when you come back, God has for us a passage of Scripture that teaches us what are the musts of life. What are the things that we must do? And Jesus here is saying, this is one of them. I must be in my Father's house. The house of God was a priority to even Jesus, and he is showing his devotion 
to his heavenly Father by being in his Father's house. And let me say this. I'm, I'm as the pastor. I'm, I'm calling us all out this year. We have all got to raise our devotion to the house of God. And that means that if you're already devoted to being here as faithfully as you can be, then you stay with it as an example to others. And if you're not as faithful to the house of God as you know the Holy Spirit is telling you you should be, then I'm pleading with you. Let 2023 be the year that you find yourself in the house of God more than you've ever found yourself in here before. Because I'm telling you, it is one of the ways that we as followers of God show our distinguished devotion to God is by are we going to be faithful to His house? This isn't my house. This isn't your house. This is His house. He provided us this place for us as God's people to come and to come together and to assemble together and to worship Him. And He takes very great pleasure in seeing his people come together to worship him. He takes notice of who comes faithfully to worship him. And he is asking all of us, will we make the house of God a priority in 2023? Listen, especially during some of the events of the last couple years, it is great to be able to have the technology to do live stream and all of that and, and to reach people that maybe we wouldn't reach and, and to allow those that aren't physically able to come to be able to be a part of what's going on here. But let me say this and say it very clearly to those who are here now in person and even to those who are watching now that you watching this service from your home or at a later date on podcast never takes the place of actually being here. You cannot reproduce what the Spirit of God is doing and how He's moving in this auditorium, in this place through technology. You can't get that through a screen. You must physically be here, you see. If technology could take the place of actually being here, then God would have made provision for that. God would have said, you know what? You don't need to physically come to my house. I'll just meet you where you are there. That's never been the case, and you know why? Because one of the purposes, again, of calling us all to come together is so that we can be physically with each other. It's about physical presence, just like it is with God. I need to be in the physical presence of God. And I need to be physically in the presence of my brothers and sisters in Christ. Again, let's go full circle. 
Joseph and Mary would have never had the encounters with Simeon and Anna that they had had they not been in the house of God. They would have missed it. And I'm saying to you, you will miss all that God has for you this year and what he wants to do in your life if we as a people do not display distinguished devotion in our relationship to the Word of God, to the Spirit of God, and to the house of God. Oh, let me say one more thing. You know, part of the problem is this is only one service Sunday. I usually have to divide myself between two services. I'm letting you all have it all in one service. You're going, yeah, God, thank you that we usually have two services. No, notice verse 20, or 33, 34, and 35. Very important verses, and I'll end with these. So the child's father and mother were amazed at what Simeon said about Jesus, right? Again, they didn't, they didn't know it all. They didn't have it all together and understood all of it. They couldn't. Then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary, Listen carefully, Mary. This child Jesus is going to have a very significant and special purpose. Each person's response to Jesus is going to reveal where they are with God. Because he says, There will be many who fall and rise in Israel, and he will ultimately be rejected, Mary. That had to be hard for a mother to hear even the mother of the Son of God. Your great son, your wonderful, beautiful son, he's going to grow up in this world and he's going to be rejected. How'd you like to hear that at the beginning of your journey as a parent? Indeed, verse 35, as a result of him, the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, made known, disclosed. And oh yeah, a sword's going to pierce through your soul, Mary, because of what you wish. Again, we talked about that when we talked about what does it mean to be favored of God, right, in that message on Mary. See, God is saying human hearts cannot hide where they really are because our hearts are always and continually revealing who we are through our relationship to God. God made it to be that way. So you and I may say as human beings, oh, nobody knows my heart. Oh yeah, God knows. And our hearts are revealed every day based upon our relationship to God. It shows where we stand with God, who we think God to be, how important God is to us. All of that is revealed in our heart choices each and every day. So at the beginning of 2023, what better message could God have for all of us than this message out of Luke chapter 2? He's saying to his people today, I'm calling you to a year of devotion. Are you really devoted to me? Are you really committed to me? And I especially am asking you 
to consider your devotion in three areas this coming year in relationship to the Word of God, the Spirit of God, and to the house of God. I'm going to ask our worship team to come. And as they come, I'm going to ask all of you to stand with me this morning. And I'm just going to close us in prayer, and I'm, I'm just going to ask, Lord, this is a time for us to make decisions. This is a time for us to, to express our devotion to you. And, and let's stop putting things off. Let's make it this year. Let's make it now, whatever that be. Father, would you help us? Oh God, help us to see today what really matters what life is really about and what, what we really need to be devoting ourselves to in this coming year. We can devote ourselves even as Christians to things that, Lord, really aren't that important when it's all said and done. We let go of the really significant, important, most valued things for the things of the world so often, the things that really aren't going to matter in eternity. God, would you help all of us to see and hear about the things that matter most, to see them clearly, to hear them clearly, God, this year. And may it begin on this very first day of this new year. What, what a better time to say, God, I'm starting fresh with you. I'm starting new with you. And we are here at the Oasis too. This is a brand new year for us. It is all laid out there for us. We, we, we can make this year as a church what we want to make it under your leadership. Lord, help us to go after everything you have for us this year, to not hold back in any way. Lord, and then let's see what happens. Lord, would you take our lives and allow us, Lord, to present our lives a living sacrifice to you holy and acceptable, which is our reasonable service. And may we not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind so that, Lord, we can come to a place in our life where we approve that your will for each of us and for us as a church is something that's good. It's something that's fitting. It's something that is most fulfilling. Lord, may that be true today. As we start this new year, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.